added time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5-plus day battery life. The Rugby World Cup is dying before our eyes and uh, we have brought in some experts. Well, at least one expert to talk about. John O'Sullivan is with me today on the Out of Time podcast. How are you, John? Very good, thank you. Uh, overnight, of course, the news has come through that games are starting to be cancelled. Uh, the Scotland game is in trouble. Uh, the whole World Cup is in danger. In danger of being a, a farce, John. It is, yeah. I suppose what they're doing is that they're looking after the public, which you you uh, would expect them to do. I think the yeah, issue... Pish posh. Pish posh. They're going to cancel the Bleeding Scotland game. Well, yeah, no, sorry, I'm not saying it's right, but I think that the initial issue, or the big issue here is the uh, giving Japan the tournament in the first place well, in typhoon season and then being surprised that a big typhoon is arriving in and may cause uh, widespread damage. And if you look at it compared to the little typhoon that came in prior to the start of the tournament, well, this one might have a... A lot more, a lot more to answer for afterwards. Indeed, there's not much we can do now about uh, them being awarded the tournament. Um, but uh, we have spoken to our men in Japan about this. Uh, Gavin Komiski and Jerry Thornley were over there, or indeed still over there. Uh, midway through the conversation, though, the line to Jerry was was pretty bad, so we kind of got rid of him halfway through. So the first sort of six seven minutes of this uh, that we're going to play now. Uh, Jerry's line is patchy enough, but uh, it's it's fine. It's well well listenable too. So I started off by going over and asking Jerry to explain what had happened overnight with the cancellation of games. Well, they've cancelled the uh, England-France uh, decider. They've cancelled New Zealand and uh, Italy, which means the Italians don't get to play their last match in, in, the, in the tournament. Um, there were pictures of some of their players in tears at the thought of this because that would have been a nice way for Leonardo Giraldino and it comes mm. to Sergio Perez to finish off the careers. This means that New Zealand have topped their pool ahead of South Africa, which they probably would have done anyway, but uh, and even topped their pool, which they might well have done anyway. We'll never know now. Uh, but more seriously, I think really it's for the pools, how they're going to pan out and for the integrity of the competition, there is a real threat about the Japan-Scotland game taking place on Sunday, and this would be a decision not made until Sunday morning. Um, so it's thrown the, the final round of the pool stage into utter chaos, really. And, of course, in all of this, we've got to bear in mind that human safety is paramount. It's cancelling three matches, say even one live, then it's worth it. These are just rugby matches. They have to keep in perspective. But uh, World Rugby, um, they've had, the organisers had nine years, ten years to plan this tournament. It was always a risk having it at this time of the year. Um, albeit that the typhoon season has gone a little longer than normal and it just seems as if they've got very little they keep telling us they've got robust contingency plans in place but bar cancelling them and maybe saying another mass across their fingers doesn't seem really see what other contingency plans they do have in place Gav, what have the Scots been saying about this? Uh, the Scots are kicking up uh, bloody hell they, um, they're, briefing, they're briefing privately they really think that it's going to be a nil-all draw and they're going to get two points and they're going to get knocked out without having to play their best game um, Eddie Jones actually is having the time of his life. He, his quote is that England just up sticks and instantly went back to their camp. Uh, and he turned around and he goes, Someone is smiling on us, probably the typhoon gods. <laughs> um, 
But the Scots have been briefing their their travelling reporters today. Uh, they've been saying that there is there, there should be a contingency plan. World Rugby don't have to call this a draw. They could postpone to the Monday. They could move stadium. World Rugby have come back categorically and said the logistics of trying to move a, a packed out seventy thousand uh, all tickets game from Yokohama to somewhere else. As the same with England, France going down to Oida was being pushed. Is this not possible logistically? So um, I'd actually spare a thought for Conor O'Shea and the Italians. Look, mm. They weren't going to win the game. They probably weren't going to. They needed a bonus point win, I think, to get out of the group. But that's pretty. Uh, you can pretty much take it as red that that's Conor's last time, game in charge of Italy. Uh, Schmidt kind of hinted at it today. Um, it's as Jerry mentioned. It's a couple of uh, their legendary players will never play again. But more than anything else, at a World Cup, you're, you're in a pool against New Zealand. You plan your whole life is based around mm. that game, you know. And they wanted to kind of they didn't show up against South Africa because of red cards and whatever. And they really just wanted um, a shot at the All Blacks. And it's been stripped away by nobody's fault. Um, but and so the Scots now have really mobilised in the last couple of hours, and they feel like. Um, it's going to be taken away from them when it doesn't need to happen. Um, is is there is the impression that they're putting out? Ironically, though, Gregor Townsend, when the storm was supposed to hit Fukuoka a couple of days ago, Gregor Townsend's quote was "Rules are rules. Sorry, it should be two points each. Tough shit, basically." <laughs> but so he's he's come out slightly different with a slightly different uh, bit of a one eighty turn. Um, does he feel uh, that? Does he feel that Japan would, if the roles were reversed in Japan, were were scratching around for the result or looking for the result? Would things be different? Would the organisers make every effort for the host nation to be able to play the match? Yeah, like obviously, I can't, I can't say that with any any certainty. You know what I mean? But um, uh, like, it's been really unfortunate. Like, it suited everybody for England, France to be called off. Like, England and France get to go into mini camps now to prepare for their quarterfinals. So you, there was nobody kicking up a fuss there, and you know how powerful the French and the English are, right? Um, so that's that. That was all sorted. Doesn't really uh, the suit their, uh, their next opponent. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> it certainly does not. Um, this whole thing is farcical. Uh, I was going to ask it today, but I didn't because like, it, it is nobody's fault. But everyone knew from a long way out that this is typhoon season. Like, the 2002 World Cup football final was played in June. I know that normally stretches into July because there was a fear of this. Um, like it, it's happened now. We're in the middle. We're in, we're in the eye of the storm. Like ironically, and I think the, the people we most concerned are is me and Jerry. We mightn't be able to get up to Yokohama on the weekend to see Scotland Japan because our flights are probably going to be cancelled. And um, there's no trains. Um, so I, I think Keith might have to stay in Tokyo because we need to have, need to have someone there to cover a game that will, may or may not go ahead. Like it's extremely messy. Uh, and it's taken, again, after so many things taking the emphasis off rugby, like officiating, now we have natural disaster taking the emphasis off rugby. Can I congratulate you, Gavin, on in the midst of a national disaster, thinking that people are worried about you and Jerry Thornley. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, well, I'm that's, talking about you on that, the desk. That's especially. one of the most Irish Times things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Listen, uh, Jerry, like, uh, all joking aside, if Scotland are done out of their final game like this, that's that's... That's an outrage. Yeah, it's an outrage, all right. Yeah, um, it's no way for a team's fate to be decided at a World Cup at all. One, imagine if we were in their position, we'd be hopping mad about it too. Um, there wasn't, I didn't sense too much sympathy for Scott's plight, and Gab's right. Um, Gregor Townsend just kind of hoist himself by his own petard with his Colts from the other day, saying if it's cancelled, it's cancelled, then the rules. Um, he's not singing that tune today, obviously, but I understand why. But uh, it's uh, the, the ramifications going beyand the Scots. Other than this, loses and all this potentially. 
But if the game on Sunday is cancelled, it means that Japan are guaranteed to top the pool as well, um, mm. regardless of whether Ireland win with a bonus point or not against Samoa, which means that Ireland are consigned to play the All Blacks in the quarterfinals when I'm sure they'd much rather have had a crack off the South African and Nigerian Scotland on on Sunday to win that game and so they can top the pool and play South Africa. Either way, the ramifications go on even further than that, Maliki, because South Africa would have had a already assured of a 10-day kind of um, uh, 10-day run at the quarterfinals. Now New Zealand and England and France are all going to have two-week run into their quarterfinal. As God says, they go off for the mini camps in the way. Um, Joe, Joe Schmidt made the ironic point today that he, if, if, if Ireland's quarterfinal or pool decider against France four years ago had been cancelled, then Paul O'Connell, Sean O'Brien, Johnny Sexton, um, uh, um, Peter Romani would all have been able to play in that quarterfinal. So. It really just shows you, like, if Ireland ship injuries again this weekend against Samoa, as they did in the corresponding match four years ago against France, that too is going to have ramifications for the quarterfinals. Basically, no matter what way you look at it, this World Cup now will always have an asterisk beside it. will always be mm. one that pool finale games were cancelled in and that that had ramifications in the rest of the tournament. Jerry, the line there isn't great, so we might let you go. So, Gav, we're left with you. Um, but, you know, I don't mean to feel sad about that. Um, Ireland Samoa then on, on Saturday. So the team is named this morning. Talk us through it. Um, actually, now that Jerry's off the line, can I just say he's having a blinder today? Um, <laughs> he, uh, his laptop's not working. But uh, we were at the Samoan press conference this morning and he cornered Steve Jackson, got a little exclusive interview while there was 12 other journalists there, which is an achievement in itself. And I saw him I saw him in the corner of my eye in, in a dark corner of the hotel. We're in the team hotel chatting away to Schmidt earlier on. So he's as, he's as sharp as he ever was, in fairness to him. Someday we'll um, get to the point, Gav, where you can, you can say these things to his face, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably won't listen to this. Hopefully, but, I definitely uh, won't listen to this. <laughs> the, we, uh, yeah, look, we were at both camps today, um, and I just found it very interesting with the Samoans. Just for starters, they are there's a bunch of them. I have a piece up there already about it. Um, they're like there's a bunch of them who are not who are free agents. You know what I mean? And this is their last chance to play at a level where clubs can see them and see what they're about and see if they want this guy in their panel. Um, these are guys who sacrificed their livelihoods and li- literally where they live in the world and their family's uh, income to play for their country. So they're going to come hunting Ireland. It's I don't think it's... like They didn't fade against Japan, by the way. So to, to think this is not going to be a real test match would be would be a mistake. I mean, they're going to have to back up again and again and again. And you can't see... Can you see Samoa still being in the hunt after 50, 55 minutes based on the just draining the batteries over the first three games? Do you know, I, I can, no, for example, Russia faded awfully badly there mm-hmm. against Scotland. So, yeah, your point is valid. But if Ireland don't get to the level that we were, that they, they absolutely sure. need to somehow reach, that, yeah, if they give them a sniff, yeah. But I, I still think Ireland are going to win the game. But um, the bonus point is by no means guaranteed, not after that Russian performance. Now, if we, the Ireland team is strong. Reese Ruddock, strangely enough, has not been able to get himself in together. We know about Reese Ruddock's injury list throughout the years. When Peter O'Mahony, who started three games, is showing up better at training than you, you know that he's not 100% fit. Rob Carney, again, couldn't get his act together to get back into the team. So Larmer gets a big chance at fullback. Uh, I interviewed Larmer, actually, for Saturday's paper. Um, and before they all did the media, Joe, <laughs> we're kind of a bit close to the Ireland team at the moment today, where we can kind of see like the, there's players out in outside my window here playing frisbee. I can see them, so they're in good spirits. But before they did um, media, Joe took them into a huddle, 
And it's mad to see, like, it's really like he's given a, a team talk before a game. And they're just <laughs> coming to talk to the come and talk to the media you know <laughs> and as soon as we like he literally he, he spoke at length to Jordan Larmer and then te- five seconds later he's talking to three or four print journalists yeah. and we're like God you're not going to tell us anything now are you <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> I spoil, and is there a spoiler yeah. did he, did he like, tell you anything for Saturdays I presume he told you lots he of actually stuff gave, read yeah, it on Saturday yeah, no seriously there's, no, there is a good line or two I wouldn't have pitched it to the desk unless it was because um we did, no. We got a, got a couple of things out of him that was quite interesting, I thought. like, I'm, Again, I'm not going to give it well, away. Well, let's not but, uh, ruin it. Tell me this, yeah. uh, before uh, before you uh, you break yet another embargo. Uh, I, I see we have the team uh, in the paper. We don't have the replacements. Who Who's on the bench? Yeah, so uh, uh, O'Mahony's on the bench. Uh, Sc- Scannell's hooker, Kilcoyne. Porter, Jean Klein is there. So, mm. it, but um, that's as because Byrne is starting on the blind side. Uh, Peter O'Mahony, um, who would be his fourth game. Uh, Luke McGrath, Joey Carberry, who is good to go, and um, Andrew Conway. Then nearly escaped me. So Ringrose obviously has played two hundred and forty minutes, way more than everybody else. But DJ Stander has played the second most minutes, and he's been made go again. Uh, Bundyaki has had two kind of bangs, and he's been made go again. But um, as Andy Farrell said the other day, this is the knock. This is a knockout game for Ireland. They have mm. to find a. They have to find form, and b. They have to find uh, like they have to find a bonus point to to avoid all the mess and, and not have to be worrying about Yokohama. You know, mm. so it's a strong team. It's Henshaw back at thirteen, presuming he's 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 going to fit and he's shake it off. And um, like they really have to show up now, don't they? You know, um, and this is a team you always get a lot of confidence when you look at an Ireland team and you see James Ryan, you see Tyke Furlong, and you see Robbie Henshaw <laughs> all around Sexton and Murray. You go, okay, look, this is the this is the bones of a team to won a Grand Slam again. So um, it it always fills you up with a little bit of confidence. But um, evidence wise, like this game is it was never supposed to be important. This game, this was supposed to be a. Don't get it. Don't get too injured. Game. Yeah, and they have to go. They have to go at it. And we know how difficult it is for Ireland teams to go at teams, but cleverly without having to go at them into a full head-on collision kind of a yeah, multi-phase type of game. So that's the way do you worry. expect them to play, Gav? Because I mean, there's there's two schools of thought here. One is that okay, you, you play a fast and loose game, try and avoid as many big collisions as possible, or else you really take it to them and and do what Ireland have done, which is basically wear them down physically. So it's one of the things Larmer said. Like he's like, oh, we're not going to play fast and loose. Mm-hmm. And like the Ireland team, the other way, it's the whole Schmidt way of not playing fast and loose. Samoa have promised that they're going to play fast and loose, mm-hmm. and that they're here to ruin the whole thing, ruin Ireland's World Cup, and that they're like they said, we know Ireland are going to go for tries. We know they're not going to try and kick too many penalties early on. He goes, but just so you, Steve Jackson, their coach, was saying to say, just so you know, neither are we. So <laughs> Ireland don't. It's so rare that Ireland play fast and loose. You know yourself. Like um, sure. it was, when was the last? Again, I was put, we were putting at the Larmer. When was the last? Time we saw him in yards of space, probably Chicago. That game when he scored a hat trick against Italy um, is the last time Ireland really kind of uh, tore up the team. Um, so, but again, it has to come down to it'll, it. Again, it comes down to Sexton putting them in the right positions and the lineup being effective. So, you know, we're back to that whole thing again, where the, these things haven't been solved. But I, I'm low to, to predict that Ireland will come out and put on a big performance. Um, like they really should, but. Um, at this stage now, when we're here three, four weeks, um, you, you think that they'll come back to the Scotland performance that we saw. But you can't if they play like they played against Scotland, they're going to lose three or four bodies mm. for the quarterfinal, which is the biggest game 
in four years. Do you think any of the players that are missing and the fact that Tag Byrne is playing at six uh, is a nod to what might happen in a quarterfinal, that they're resting a couple of players, obviously taking Gary Ringrose out of it because he's quite obviously been rested given his workload, but that they're looking at one or two options that they may have uh, in relation to the pack more than anything else. Yeah, I think Reed, I, tell, I, don't, I actually genuinely don't think Reese Ruddock's fit because he, Schmidt pretty much said that. Uh, so I think Ruddock would have been there and Byrne would have been on the bench and they probably would have given Peter O'Mahony a rest. Um, but it's needs most situation. Yeah, I, come the quarterfinal, Amani comes back in. Um, this team is not difficult to pick anymore because because of the bodies are gone. Mm. It was the only thing that was going to change was could Ruddock force his way onto the onto the sixth bench, and then it would be an Omani or Van der Flyer, one of them coming off the bench. But I think that's gone now again, you know, because looks like Ruddock hasn't got his hasn't been able to kind of back up a brilliant eighty minute performance because of his body. Um, Do you think if they play South Africa, I mean, if you look at the South African, the back five in the pack, South Africa are a very physically big side, and what Ireland might look to do is they might look to pick somebody else other than uh, Ian Henderson, the second row, move Henderson into the back row or have Tyg Byrne in the back row where you kind of match up in a slightly different way. Whereas if they play New Zealand, you're looking at having somebody to match Sam Kane around the pitch because New Zealand have a smaller, more mobile, quicker back five. Whereas South Africa pick big second rows in the back row. You're correct in the sense that Tyg Byrne obviously is a realistic option for quarterfinals at six now because he's playing six this weekend. Mm. Definitely, yeah. It's in consideration. And he's kind of, he's played his way in. Like the times he's gotten penalised over the ball have been quite harsh. And his yellow card, I thought, was against Scotland by Wayne Barnes. I thought mm. that was very harsh. Um, so that's all realistic. But Ian Henderson it is not moving. Uh, I, I'd be amazed, okay? okay? I think it would be take a, a couple of injuries simply because they've spent so long now just drilling him into the second row and making him the line-out caller and doing all that and uh, never going back to Klein, staying with him. Like, if they're if they're trying to keep it a secret now and it goes Klein and Henderson and all into the back row, I think the, the, the game could finish against South Africa like that because South Africa would be playing using a 6-2 split um, so they're finishing with six forwards who are all bit bigger than this. So they're finishing with a bigger pack than they started with Fran Steen covering every position from 10 to 15. Sure. Um, so that's the way the South Africans are going to try and win the World Cup. Um, I, I said it before and uh, like I think Ireland would be better off against New Zealand. It's a ridiculous thing to say, I know, but just, I've been at two South Africa matches and uh, I, I, just, there is, I just do not see how Ireland can beat them. Um, how they actually handle Samoa, is, I think is what you're saying. How they handle mm-hmm. Samoa on Saturday is a good indication of how they might go about handling South Africa in a quarterfinal. So it's a, it's a good dry run. But... Um, and we talk all about the whole England being in camps and uh, they're getting a little two-week lead in. Ireland need this game. Like Ireland need to go out and produce a performance. Mm. Not for the supporters or not for reporters. It's literally for themselves. They need to actually remind themselves that they're a good rugby team. Uh, Henshaw needs to get back out and play rugby. Um, that becomes really interesting then because Henshaw plays well at 13. Ringrose has been, I think, Ireland's best player. So they come back. But like Bundy Aki's going out to play Samoans on the weekend. I, I'm fairly certain he's going to show up. Tell me uh, a bit about Samoa. Uh, I know, as you said, that their their big thing is you know uh, a lot of them are, are are putting themselves in the shop window and all that sort of stuff. I, should they have been better in this World Cup? Uh, no, because they just haven't had any preparation time. They haven't right. had to get their team players together. And uh, Jackson, Steve Jackson's. I've went. I've seen. I saw them play against Japan. And I don't know if you've if you've watched that game. But I was at it. That was a real test match, mm. and Japan were excellent, and Samoa were right with them. 
like it was it was a score in the game until the very end mm. when all that madness happened with Piper and the crooked, crooked scrums and crooked feeds. There's been plenty of other crooked feeds into scrums since and no refs called it. Um, but the, there's a couple of players in the team that really impressed me. Uh, they're 12. Henry Taifu, is, he, he was kicking goals, kicking them really impressively. People know Tim Nanai Williams, Sonny Bill's cousin. He'll be playing from fullback. He got a kind of a self-inflicted concussion in the Japanese game, but he's fine now. Um, and when you stand beside them, it is... They are freakish. Like they are huge. They're really, enormous yeah. men. I'm talking about Henry Tafu is the 12. And I was interviewing him in the mix zone. I think he was in school with Bundiaki. Bundiaki was kind of the the, the Samoan uh, kind of hero, uh, schoolboy level at that stage. And he was against him. So um, the, it's all about physicality and all. And they're really, they're kind of, epic. they're quite menacing as well. You know, they're quite intimidating. Um, they're good. They're, they're actually enjoyable to talk to. Um, but um, yeah, there's a couple of players there who, um, John's right they will fade eventually because like even I was at Fiji Wales last night which was another classic game I thought mm. and Fiji were for the first 15 minutes Fiji looked like the best team in the world the best team on the planet bar none their wingers Rad Radra who's probably going to go back to rugby league and all that was was just from another planet uh, it's such a shame that they're not going to be playing any more rugby at this tournament but it was so it, it was so obvious that on about fifty about sixty five minutes, Wales who had kept in the game because of their set piece and because they have a couple of brilliant players, Wales just knew they had it, and they just Liam Williams started just picking holes and uh, Josh Adams started to cut through them and uh, you could see it happening. Wales now are not Ireland can't be compared to Wales because Wales are just. At, a really well-oiled machine at the moment. Dan Bigger got knocked out and Reese Patchell just, just picked up and just kept the whole thing going. Um, That's a bit of a worry, that actually. Bit. That Bigger injury was horrific. I mean, mm. he was out He was out on the way down and, mm. and he sh- he possibly shouldn't play again in the tournament. Oh, yeah, I, look, I, I completely... John, it was really interesting what happened because he, he got smacked elbow to the head, then he landed on his back really, really, really heavily and then Liam Williams's leg came down and caught him on the head again. Now... Gatlin didn't mess around afterwards and he turned around and he said, look, um, we didn't put him through HIA. You know, we looked at the video and went, there's no need for a head injury assessment here. This guy's going into the concussion protocols. And he goes, we're going to put him through the concussion protocols, but we're also going to have someone look at him. And what he meant by that was, he goes, we're going to have a specialist look at him because we all all saw what happened. Mm. But really interestingly, Bigger, and this is such a player mentality, got up and jogged off the pitch thinking, let me go do my HIA. And he was back on the sideline afterwards trying to put the, uh, you know. That was the optics, you're right, absolutely. Yeah, look at me, I'm fine. This guy, if you just Google his name and concussion, it's so worrying. Mm. Like it's it's so concerning. Um, he's got a real history of it, um, and he will probably play again. I don't know about a quarter final, but um, it, it is it was real worrying. But like you got to also at the same time when we're when we're talking about this topic, you got to give the people the benefit of the doubt. Like it does really sound like the Welsh medics are going to look after him properly. Um, so we'll I was going to say switching switching topics. What do you, is it? Nick Berry referees Ireland at the weekend. Oh. You've caught me. I believe you. I believe you if you say. I think the EastEnders character Nick Berry is, is taking charge. There's of, one for the teenagers. That's right. Google Nick that if Berry. you're listening to this and don't know who Nick Berry is. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I was going to ask your opinion on the officiating in general and the fact that that the longer you go in the tournament or the deeper into the tournament that you go, 
the more not the more influence they're having because they've had a huge influence, uh, not mm. necessarily in a positive way. But you just your thoughts on on the officiating in general and how important it it will be now, even more important, I should say, going forward when you reach the knockout phase. I wrote a couple of days ago, John, that um, the officiating I read is, is going to it's going to become less of a major issue. You know what I mean? It's going to go away and all that. But then I'm at the game last night mm-hmm. and there was four disallowed tries and there was four yellow cards. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 like there was, Garcia made a, a, couple of mis- a, lot of, a couple of mistakes and mm-hmm. he's kind of frustrating to ref, to watch as a ref sometimes. But his communication with Ben and they've definitely fixed this. There is clarity between the TMO. The TMOs are more talkative now. It, it really feels a bit like NFL communication on the level of referee, which is where Ruby has gone and it's where it has to be, you know. Um, Pot and Carl Dixon were talking to Garces. They wait. They they wait for a majority decision. They wait that everyone's on 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 side. Garces looks at things, asks Bensky and the TMO for his opinion. Like for example, the Ken Owens tip tackle mm-hmm. uh, before that unbelievable Fiji try that was disallowed for mm. Rad Radra's uh, forward pass. Um, Ken Owens caught the number eight Mata and he flipped him. And my instinct initially was, oh, that's a red card. And uh, so same Fijian captain had the same opinion as well. But um, Garces and Skian really took their time, looked at the screen and they went, look, he landed on his back. They, they, they tried I thought to that look was very ways. interesting, Gav, because they, they looked at it umpteen times and you could see that you could see that Owens almost sort of when it's really slowed down, you could see that that almost halfway through it, Owens realizes shit, this guy's gonna fall in his head here and I'm gonna get a red card. And he actually he actually put a little bit more force into it to to flip him, yeah. to help him land and then as he, like like your man was was barely even on the ground when Owens was apologizing to him. Like he knew he was in trouble. And I did it, it's fair to say like Garces took that into account when he gave him yellow instead of red. Yeah, yeah. And even and uh, and People are gonna will go crazy if you put this on Twitter. But even the two Italian loose heads who flipped for Mulan, mm. they did. They did. When you watch it again from behind, they actually realised what was happening and kind of let go, which was a mistake they should have placed. Mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, he he didn't even go on his head. It was more on his shoulder and side. But it was just it was so bad, and it, they, they'd done it so bad. But if they had placed him, but heat at the moment when you're defending on your try line, you don't you don't think like that or on the opposition try line you don't think like that it's all about it's all physical aggression and is there a danger of of kind of uh making decisions by consensus which doesn't always lead to the right decision and that referees are second guessing themselves to a certain degree and with the influence of if you get a very strong tmo who asks the referee to have two or three looks and and there have been a couple mm. of matches where that's been the case and the original instinct to the referee has been right but he's had his yeah. mind changed by the tmo who feels that he has to get involved the ref has to be the strongest person, yeah. John. The ref has to be the person who makes the, makes the strong decision. And the TMO has to be an assistant. And, and I thought last night they had a good balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skiing, uh, who's a Kiwi, uh, he, he was just like, here's my opinion or have a look at this. He wasn't trying to put it on Garces, but Garces was always going to be the man who made the final decision. And it's tremendous pressure. You know, it, it, it really is. Uh, again, Simone coach Steve Jackson, he just lambasted them again today. He was he just like, no, we never get the rub of the green. Um the, those coaches don't feel like they're getting it right. Uh, Schmidt actually will still talk about how he kind of made a slight reference to it today, but how he feels that Ireland aren't getting the rub of the green. Um, I don't know much about Nick Berry. I've only seen him a couple of times. Rowan Kitt, who's been a very uh, active TMO for major decisions in this tournament. I'm pretty sure he was Fiji Australia. I'm hoping to be corrected on that. And uh, interestingly, Roman Poit is on is on the, is on the the touchline for Ireland as well. And if I'm right, I tell Derek, you what, Gav, Nick Nick Berry sang the EastEnders theme tune. Yeah. 
There you go. So oh, right. Yeah, great. Of, uh, yeah. I tell you something. I hope that's it. right, by the way. <laughs> we know for a fact that the, 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 all those names that I've just mentioned, we're going to be watching a lot of them on Saturday morning when you when you start having your breakfasts because they're going to be chit chatting away about them. Some unbelievably massive, uh, earth shattering Samoan hits on Johnny Sexton. It's Indeed. going to happen. Like it's going. <laughs> we just know it is. And it, it, I initially thought that we weren't going to be talking about officials for the rest of this tournament. I thought it would die down, but it's going to be a hot topic in every single game we watch because rugby just has not the rugby doesn't have a solution to the way the rules work now it's the players cannot control what they do when they go into contact to stay within the rules especially if you're bigger than the player you're hitting well it will be more brunch than uh, breakfast Gav and uh, we will enjoy it and we will talk to you again on Monday so thank you very much for that uh, my pleasure thank you to Jerry, who we had on for a while earlier before uh, interplanetary telecommunications nixed us thank you to you John pleasure uh, and good luck next week when you're doing this without me and to Declan and JJ behind the desk uh, thank you very much and we will talk to everybody on Monday I'll be here on Monday but I'm off next Thursday so uh, we'll see you Monday take it easy Added Time is supported by Fitbit with Amazon Alexa built in your personalised sleep score and a 5 plus day battery life Fitbit Versa 2 takes smartwatches to the next level Mm -hmm.